Al number one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in once again. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. Glad to have you aboard with us here on a Wednesday. It's a busy one as we talk the world of sports with you and sports adjacent here over the next couple of hours. Coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, Mike Mahon's going to be joining us. He is deep into the world of Olympic traffic and field. Of course, the U.S. championships that we've had here in Des Moines. He's been a big part of that. We will talk with him about the postponement of the Olympics as it'll be pushed back to 2021. That's coming your way this morning here at 1020. Then, as we do on Wednesdays, David Kaplan will stop by from Chicago. We'll get Cappy's thoughts on what's happening inside the world of sports. Great article today from Jeff Passan of ESPN.com. In fact, it was out there early this morning, about 3 a.m. is when I was reading through it as I was up with the little <laughs> man and uh, getting through things as he was looking for some late-night feeding as he's going through teething. So some reading material for me late in the uh, early of the morning, if you will. Adam Emenecker will join us to kick off the 11 o'clock hour. Our look back today is the 2007-2008 Drake basketball squad, the MVP, the Larry Bird Trophy Award winner from the 2008 season. Adam Emenecker with us at 11 o'clock. And then Zuba Mahente from ESPN. Ken joins us from his outpost in Ankeny. Ken, good to talk to you again. Good seeing you again yesterday. And we'll get to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, looking already looking forward to that, Trent. You know, I came within, uh, came very close to jumping in the car and going downtown, yeah. just getting back in the routine. There was a bounce in my step yesterday being in the building. You know, it's, um, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? And I certainly, uh, certainly was missing that a little bit. And it was good to get in there yesterday and we'll do the same tomorrow. Trent, I got to tell you, as you and I were speaking throughout the day yesterday, um, the requests, from what our restaurant radio segment yesterday, the request that we got in my email inbox, and I know you got some on your Facebook feed as well. Uh, th- th- this is working, I think. Uh, there's so many restaurants that have reached out to us to ask if uh, they could be included. And of course, the answer is yes. So we'll do so tomorrow. And I have a feeling that there'll be a, uh, you know, an additional period that we do that at some point during the week. But yeah, looking forward to tomorrow already. I think we got a good show lined up today. Mike Mahon, who, uh, as you mentioned at the top, is going to be our first guest. You know, he's covered so many Olympics and, and look, they, they did the right thing postponing Tokyo, obviously. But what does this mean for the Olympic athletes that have qualified for this year's team? You know, countries want to send their best. Well, what if the best this year is not the best next year? I mean, age catches up with some of these folks and maybe, uh, you know, an injury, uh, heaven forbid, would happen to them as they prepared for 2021. But so many questions still out there. And I thought Mike Mahon would be a perfect guest. And it's really timely that we have him as he was the SID at Drake during the 2007-2008 season. And, uh, was such a great, uh, great help to certainly to, uh, the show that I was on 
as he uh, funneled Keno D- Davis to us seemingly whenever we wanted. Uh, some of the players as well, Emenecker and Corver, would come down to the studio and sit in, uh, and they did that a time or two. So looking forward to Mahon, and obviously we're going to catch up with Cappy. You know, we taped Cappy, Trent. I just want to say this right off the bat, because the more that I thought about what Cappy said in one of the uh, one of the uh, responses to what we asked him, I think it was me. I said Rush Street, and I meant Michigan Avenue, but Cappy realized that uh, you know that my Chicago geography was a little bit off. Um, the fact that he drove down Michigan Avenue today, as busy a street as you're going to find, with as many high-priced shops as you're going to find in Chicago, I assume. Not that I've been everywhere, but find it hard to believe that somewhere rivals that. The fact that they're boarding up like Gucci and putting boards in front of the glass windows because of the fear that if this keeps going, you know, looting might become a factor. And I never even thought of that. As bad as this has been, you know, it could be worse, I guess. And there's some proactive stores out there, especially the ones on Michigan Avenue with the high-priced goods that are boarding up their uh, their storefronts um, to, to try and fend that off. Should we get to that point? That's frightening. Oh, it, it really is. It, it's something that is it, almost hard to believe at times, too. I mean, when you're going through and you're you're looking at the way that the world is, and I was just talking to our buddy Mike out at JLM Gun Shop. Now, for him... It's uh, craziness out there, and they're consistently just busy because people are worried and people yeah. you know, want to, to have something for their home and protection and those types of things. So you have that avenue of it, and there's industries out there, the hospital industry. Yes, that is an industry and what they're doing and what they're going through and just everything out there. And then the other side of things where it, it's completely different in the world as it continues to revolve around and people working for home. And I know I've heard from so many people that normally don't get to listen to us, but now they're sitting at home and, <laughs> and they're listening to us a whole lot more here during the middays. And because of that, we thank you and thanks for, for being with us. But just this sense of normalcy and when we're going to get back to it and when is it going to happen, it com- continues to be the great unknown. And I think uh, I think people are getting frustrated with that. It's not short-term, and this is something we've been talking about really from the get-go, Ken, is this is not a quick fix. This isn't anything that we're going to get back to normalcy really early. We're going to get our sports back, even just on television and having maybe not people in the crowd. This is going to still take a long while. And something you mentioned to me this morning I found very interesting is your beloved hockey, and you're almost awaiting the time where they're just going to shut it down, say no playoffs, no more regular season. It's over as we know it for 2020. And we'll start maybe back at the in the winter time or late fall, whatever it is, for hockey. And, and I, w- I was surprised to hear that from you, but maybe that's the reality, and maybe I'm not living in reality right now. Yeah, Trent, I'm I'm almost at the point where you know let's just bag it and get ready for next year. I you know I hate to I hate to to have that uh, attitude toward this, but come on, um, the Olympics were scheduled for the end of July. Are you telling me that we're going to be playing sports? You know, the Olympics canceled for a reason because they feel that for a number of things that obviously that this virus is still going to be a factor. You know, the NBA playing into September, the NHL awarding the Stanley Cup in September. Scott Boros today, okay, uh, Los Angeles Times is where you can read the piece. 
You know, he's thinking that you know, if we play 162 games, and clearly he wants his players to get 162 games. He doesn't want these salaries to be reduced if, you know, they only play whatever, 81 or 144, whatever the number ends up being, assuming that they do uh, get baseball off and running again, um, that he's good with playing a World Series game on Christmas Day. <laughs> You know, it's just, it, you know, look, it's, it's, the circumstances are going to uh, drive us toward that path, but that seemed a little out there to me yeah. that that's even on the table. Christmas Day, World Series game. Look, I get the, I've seen some of the stuff in the athletic. They did such a great job, and there's a 90-day trial. Folks, we, we're not paid to endorse the athletic, but we two enthusiastic thumbs up from Miller and Condon here. Um, but there's, gr- there's, there's great stories by Rosenthal and, uh, and Stark and some of, the, uh, some of the baseball writers at the athletic trying to figure out what they think the best way you know, to present the baseball season if it rolls around. So I, I encourage you to read that. I mean, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Even Scott, Scott Boris, you know, to playing on Christmas Day, which, you know, I find a little bit out there. These are the, these are the times we're in, right? Throw stuff out there. Maybe it's going to stick. Who knows? Maybe I'll uh, go to sleep on the, on Christmas Eve, uh, this coming December 24th and, and not look forward to Santa, but actually look forward to Game Seven or or a, or a World Series game. So, it's the it's the era that we're in. Uh, but like you said to start, if they bag the NHL or they bag the NBA a hundred years from now, I assume sports will be still played in some form. You know, people are looking back at records and oh yeah, 2020. That's the year that they didn't crown a champion because of the the plague. I remember we called. Uh, the hundred years ago, the plague. I don't know what they're going to refer to this if they still call it Corona. Um, you know, a generation or two generations from now. But if they, if 2020 has to remain vacant, say la vie. Yeah, that's a uh, reality, and that's where we are here today. Well, Ken mentioned uh, I was at up at 3 a.m. reading the article from Jeff Passan about baseball and what they're going to be doing. Also, last night. I had my first Zoom meeting with uh, with a bunch of my buddies, a bunch of the tailgate guys. <laughs> we had nine of us around. Uh, so one of my friends, he has a DVD of old horse races. So we each picked a horse. We bet on yeah. that. He put it up on the screen. And then sickos. Uh, we, we just uh, had a little fun, <laughs> talked, see what was going on. One of my buddies, he works for corporate down in Arkansas for Walmart, and he hasn't left his house in 17 days. He, he literally is not left his yard in 17 days and the way that it's impacting different people. But we each cracked a beer, had fun, had some laughs, and a little normalcy. It was different. I mean, obviously talking in that kind of fashion, you get to see everybody, but it was fun. It was fun, and I'm hearing more and more people doing those type of things, just trying to get something normal happening in your world and and having a laugh and having some fun out there when the reality, when you flip on the news channels and seeing what's happening in the world, we get our first case inside the state of Iowa and the first mm-hmm. death from coronavirus and COVID-19 and what comes of that. But that part of it, because you get stir crazy, Ken, you know it. You finally yeah. got out of the house and, and came here yesterday and just and getting that part of it and just getting away for a little bit. Even if it's a drive, a walk, whatever it is, yeah. those things help out in a big, big way. Yeah, no doubt. No, I've, I've been taking my walk every morning. I haven't missed that, nor I certainly hope to be able to maintain that and don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. But, you know, that Zoom thing, uh, Andrew Downs, AD, and his wife, Judy, they, um, 
had a drink with a bunch of their friends last night. I'm assuming it was on that similar Zoom mm-hmm. app or something like it. And I know Steve Young, who used to work at uh, uh, at KXNO for so many years, he jumped on and he was tweeting about it. So uh, those are the cards that were dealt. And if you want some social interaction with some of your friends, that's what it's going to take. But no surprise to you that you and your buddies would find a way to gamble <laughs> on the damn thing. But previously run races. Yes. So did the guy that was finding the previously run races come out as the uh, as the night's winner? No, he is. Uh, he's basically he's like the bookie. He's he's the one. Oh, he does okay. not get to go through it. It's an actual and you can buy these. There are DVDs out there. And it's a DVD of old races that nobody would have any impact of who would win. Not only that, you don't know when the actual race was run. You can't look it up anything and go that route for the shady characters out there that are falling apart of it. They changed the names of all the horses, and they got Mm -hmm. some funny, goofy names that go along with it. So it was a little bit of fun, something to do, something to pass the time on a a Tuesday night. And away we go. We're going to do it again later in the week. It was one of my friend's birthdays also, so we wanted to get together with him. His wife is uh, going through some health struggles right now, so it was just it was good to see him with a smile on his face. He's a big horse racing guy. He worked at Arlington Park in high school. Wow, How about nice that for a high school job. In fact, next time he's in town, I think we need to get you two together. I think you'd have a lot of good stories for each other. Yeah, no doubt. Arlington Park is it is, it is or was a was a it was a palace. It still is. You know, it's funny you mentioned those historical races because Trent, I have my name on. So many patents through my other job connected to historical racing, just similar to what you guys are doing, whether, you know, you run part of the race, then you stop it, then you ask the, you know, the 10 people sitting around the virtual table to pick the winner. And if you pick the winner, you move on and you don't, you're eliminated. And three people are there, you know, there's a hundred dollar pot or whatever in the middle of it. Then you go to the next race and you run half the race, you stop it, you get 10 seconds to identify the winner of that race, you play the, duration of it if you're still alive and you're the only one alive you get to scoop the whole pot so there's so many things that may be coming down the pipeline that's that's one that's what i do for my full-time job right I've, that's one of the things i come up with in the racing industry and probably got 15 or maybe even more than that now um yeah but it's coming that that's fun that you guys were able to participate like that and you know just to have a little bit of fun well speaking of uh, fun i think you're going to like the keyword here today right now time to help pay some of your bills kxno and iHeartRadio wants to help you with that text the keyword smile to 200 200 right now your chance to win one thousand dollars that smile to 200 200 right now you'll get a confirmation text and info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest good to have a smile on the face and uh, another guy that certainly put smiles on the face of a lot of people inside this community throughout the years mike mahon ken how long have you known mike for it's got to be quite a while right yeah i know for for uh for a long time for sure and he's a huge detroit tiger fan and Mike's a good guy. His uh, folks own the, uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank, the famous theater in the Drake area that just closed its doors. Oh, my God. I think it's on 25th Street. Oh, Trent, Trent, oh, Trent, Trent. I, I, I See, cannot help you on this one. Yeah, it's in Drakeown. They've been there for years. So the Mahon family owned that and uh, for, a, for a long, long time. The varsity? God, it's on the... Yeah, uh, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, absolutely, that's it. Um, and, um, I'm pretty sure that's it. Anyways, they owned that for, for a long time. I've known Mike for a long time. He's been very good to us. As I said, the 2007-8 season, 
Um, you know, him and I were, we talked twice a week as he would help us line up, uh, most cases, Keno Davis during that terrific run. And as we said yesterday, Trent, it was a perfect storm as far as them capturing the Central Iowa's detention, at least for that season. I mean, it was a bunch of really good guys on that team. Keno Davis, of course, Tom's son. So he had that angle going. And uh, Iowa State and, and Iowa, they, they were having down years. So it was a perfect time for them. And what a run. Following them out to Tampa and Ty Rogers hitting that just crazy shot at the end um, to knock Drake out and Western Kentucky would get to the second weekend of the tournament, which just, you know, the way it's set up, it was an 11 12 game, uh, on the, in the round of 32. 11 versus 12, round of 32. Crazy. 12 versus 13, San Diego, the third. Is that what it was? 12 yeah. 13. Yeah, as the four. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was down. four or five. The four and the five both yep. got knocked out. And, yep. uh, it, we who see- was the four? Help me out. Do you remember? UConn. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, we, we were. I remember just hearing you talk about the the matchup with UConn. I mean, it, it wasn't a foregone <laughs> conclusion, but there wasn't a whole lot of love. Uh, yes, it's a five twelve, but the Western Kentucky side of things. Courtney Lee on that team. Ty Rogers yeah. had the shot. It was a very talented. Darren Horn, hunter. the coach. Yes, who went on with South Carolina for a number of years. Yep. I think he still bounced yep. around, maybe at a small school. He's at Northern Kentucky. Northern he was on Kentucky. the Texas bench for a while and. Went. To, I think he's at Northern Kentucky now. Yeah, but uh, you're right, Trent. South Carolina. He he propelled that uh, uh, that run to a job at South Carolina. It didn't work out, but he got paid. We'll talk about that season eighty uh, two thousand seven two thousand eight Drake basketball with Mike Mahan. Also a look at the Olympics, the U.S. track and field. What's happening there? We'll do all that next as we come back. Mike Mahan joins us. It's Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO and now one oh six. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Miller and Condon continues 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you, taking you up until noon. Ken, well, this is... uh, this is an idea that you had. You mentioned this to me yesterday, bringing Mike Mahon on. And as we're looking back at the 2000-2008 Drake basketball team, so many connections there, of course. But also what's happening inside the Olympic world and the part that Mike knows a whole lot about, including, of course, track and field. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, he's covered a whole bunch of Olympics, worked at a whole bunch of Olympics. Let's get him on. Mike, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Mike Mahon. How many Olympic games have you been to, Mike? Been to four, Kenny. Uh, my first one was uh, 1984. That was in Barcelona in 92, Atlanta in 96, and Athens in 2004. So, still like to, uh, I started off in LA in 84, so I like to finish in LA, God willing, in 2028. Yeah, no kidding. Fingers crossed that that uh, that that happens, Mike. One of the things I, I that I think people need some clarity on, and maybe it's been out there, and uh, perhaps you don't know the answer to this. But the folks that qualified for this Olympics game should they have been played in July or taken place rather in July? What does that mean for next year, Mike? Will the will the qualifiers be grandfathered in, or will we have to go through this process again? Well, for a lot of, uh, for instance, some sports like tennis. Uh, they don't have a qualifying uh, softball. The team's already been selected. And uh, this was going to be the last year that softball was going to be played in the Olympics. Now, you talk about the dream team, and depending on when the uh, 
NBA season uh, starts and finishes next year, you could have G League players playing for Team USA, uh, Collegiates. In terms of track and field, I was supposed to work the Olympic trials in mid-June, and uh, Eugene, obviously, that got postponed. So we're having the Olympic trials next year. The uh, marathon team, uh, the marathon qualifying was held in Atlanta about a month ago, and it's my understanding that the top three runners that qualified for the Olympic team will retain their berths. The uh, U.S. Uh, Olympic swimming trials were going to be held in uh, Omaha in June. Uh, wrestling was going to be held in two weeks, so... All these are right. important around uh, schedules next year and uh, place those in and to determine the uh, members of Team USA and the respective uh, Olympic teams. So it's really going to come down to the governing bodies making the decision, people that have already qualified, athletes that have already made their way in, determining, like you said, the marathon, the three that have qualified, they're in. Is the Olympics also going to have to maybe look at expanding the availability and roster space for each country as they qualify, things like that, because you're really going to have two years, basically, of people trying to qualify for this. Do you expect to see something on the Olympic side of things where maybe this thing grows even more for 2021? No, I think they're, they're maintaining their standards, uh, the rigid standards. Uh, what's what's going to happen here is you're going to have a, a, the only other time you can equate something like this happening was Back in uh, 1992 and uh, 1994, the Winter Olympics were always held the same uh, four years that the right. Summer Olympics were held. And then they decided to move those on the off-even-numbered years. So in the 1992 Winter Olympics, you had about 600 athletes that turned around and uh, competed in the 94 Winter Olympics. What's going to happen here is uh, because of injuries, aging, life decisions, a lot of people that thought they had a shot at making the Olympic teams competing in the Olympics this year are going to be uh, out next year. And another thing also, like a sport like gymnastics, uh, you're going to have some cases where athletes who weren't eligible to make the, participate in the 2020 Olympics turn around and be eligible next year because of the age limitation. Gymnastics, the minimum age mm. uh, was 16. There were similar age requirements in boxing. So it's, I would say the turnover in terms of the uh, athletes that uh, – we're expected to compete in the Olympics this year and it won't be competing next year. It'll be about 20 to 30%. That's what some uh, Olympic historians are uh, uh, forecasting for next year. Mike Mayon is our guest. That's interesting, Mike. Uh, were you surprised? And obviously there's a ton that goes into this decision. These are the world games after all. Were you surprised that, uh, that it took as long as it did for the uh, International Olympic Committee to finally pull the plug on 2020? Uh, you, you know, when you talk about the Olympics, there's two organized. you got the International Olympic Committee, then you also have the whole city. And uh, the whole city was trying their best uh, to maintain and try to keep the games going because of the uh, economic uh, feedback and all the hotel lodging, all the facilities. And, uh, but I think the pressure from the respective countries, uh, Canada, Australia, were the first two countries that came out and said that they're not going to have their athletes compete in the Olympics. And then uh, uh, Team USA followed. And I just think the mounting pressure ultimately uh, forced the IOC and the uh, the Japan uh, Olympic Organizing Committee to turn around and make the decision. I mean, athletes want pins and needles because the athletes trying to make uh, qualify for the Olympic trials, they had no place to practice and train. I mean, a good example, Eric Nowinski, uh, six-time national champ, uh, University of Iowa grad, 
top contender in the men's 800. He was on social media on Twitter looking for a uh, place to work out because uh, there was no place. He, he lives in Iowa City. I think he finally uh, was training over at Assumption High School in Davenport. So, I mean, this had athletes really, they were worried about their welfare concerns and ultimately the right decision was made. It's absolutely wild. Well, Mike, uh, certainly a lot more to come on that and the Olympics and what's going to happen for 2021 in Japan, uh, what's going to happen with all the different sports as they figure out how they're going to have the different athletes that are going to qualify, and we'll keep our eye on that. But I wanted to uh, mention to you before we run out of time, we're looking back every day on our program, some of the great teams in our state's history. The 2007-2008 Drake team is up today. We're going to be talking with Adam Emenecker coming up here a little bit later in the program. But from your vantage point, that season, just absolutely how incredible it was. I was a newbie. I had just moved to Des Moines, so I didn't know a ton about the background outside of living in the state a whole lot. But Drake basketball was an afterthought. And not only to have a good team, but have a team like that, the way that it just gripped the city, what a season that was. Yeah, that, we were really the, the darlings of NCAA basketball. You talked a lot, a lot of national media. Yeah. First of all, the team was picked to finish last in the Missouri Valley Conference preseason Super Bowl. We had a first year uh, coach in Keno Davis. He'd never been a head coach at any level before. You had two walk-ons that ultimately earned scholarships to win the starting lineup. And I mean, we gained momentum. We had a school record, uh, 21 straight wins. Uh, the NAP Center was sold out the last eight home games of the year. And, uh, I think uh, I haven't shared this with too many people, but in our office, uh, I had from January 1st till the uh, remaining 10 weeks of the season, I had close to 1,000 interview requests from national media wow. around the nation. And I tell you what, Dino Spreader, as a first year coach, uh, he rarely declined these interview requests. I know a lot of Power Five conference schools would be selective, or well, rather do ESPN and say the local guys, but. And, Kenny, you were around at that time. I mean, Keno returned about yeah. 97% of them. And the student athletes to work with, I mean, Adam Ebenezer, academic All-American, close uh, to 4.0 GPA, major, he had four different majors. Uh, unbelievable. You know, Mike, you're around a lot of college basketball, and I, you know, I turn on Mediacom and I watch a Drake broadcast on ESPN Plus now. Why is Emenecker, and maybe it's just because he doesn't want to, you know, but boy, he's good at what he does. He's a terrific analyst. Well, I'll share something with you, Kenny. I approached him about four years ago. Uh, you know, there's a Major League Baseball, we always say the best managers are the former catchers. I really think the best yep. analysts are point guards because. The point guard knows what's going on, and I encourage them to look at potentially pursuing a career as a, a TV analyst. I thought he did a good job, and uh, you know uh, he was interested. He did a great job, and I'm happy that not only doing Drake games, he's on the Missouri Valley Conference Network, and uh, he, he just does a great job. And uh, you know another thing, going back to that 2007-8 season, Dr. Tom Davis uh, was still living in Des Moines, and I had him on fresh row. I mean, and he'd show up an hour and a half before the game, and, you know, we had Hawkeye fans coming up asking for pictures, autographs, and, I mean, he soaked it all in, and uh, he was very superstitious, though, because I was asking him, are you going to make the trip to uh, NCAA tournament down at Tampa? And he says, I never went to a road game. I'm not about to change that right now. And it was, it was really tough the way that uh, game ended. And uh, I, work, I do a lot of freelance TV. I worked with uh, Tim Brando a couple games in, we always joke, he always brings up the name Ty Rogers, the guy that uh, yeah. <laughs> had a dagger in the heart of great fans with that last second shot. 
That yeah, was, he really did. Man, the, the bracket opened up, of course, a little bit later that day as UConn went down against San Diego. Last, Ty Rogers got him in Western Kentucky there in that overtime game. Mike Mahon, as always, good catching up with you again. Let's do this more. Uh, definitely good talking with you and with the Olympics now coming up in 2021. I know we're going to have a lot more questions. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Have you guys. Good work. Bye-bye. Mike Mahon joining us here as we get the timeout coming back. Time to go to Chicago next. David Kaplan going to join us from NBC Sports Chicago, also ESPN 1000. Still working on his radio gig. We'll talk with Cappy Cappy about what's happening in Chicago. The Bears have a new quarterback. We'll get into that and more as we continue. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO. On all states or situations. Miller and Cotton in 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM as we go to Chicago. David Kaplan, ESPN 1000, as he joins us each and every Wednesday, presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Cappy, since we talked last week, the world continues to change, evolve around with us. But for you, uh, how are you doing in Chicago? All systems go, at least on the radio side of things, as uh, you continue on and still working from the offices? Yeah, we're still in the studios. Me, Danny, and Chris, Danny Zetterman, and Chris Black, who are my guys. We have, I think, a really good team here. Uh, you know, it's eerie because as I'm talking to you, I'm walking down the hall, and it's just empty. Every office is empty. And then we'll see Carmen DeFalco is coming in to do his show, and then Sylvie comes in. And other than that, Waddle's working from home, and Yurko's working from home. So... There's no salespeople here. There's no management except our GM, Mike Thomas, who's here every day and is awesome. But other than that, it's eerie, man, to be in the ABC building, like a hub of activity, and there's a few TV people because they're on the air, and that's it. We're in the exact same boat. It's eerie, like you said, walking around in the sales floor that's usually a buzzing. There's one person on that floor right now, and up here, it is bare bones operation. Ken, he's working from home in Ankeny, and we just uh, we persevere. We move on, and, and there's so much to get into as we're trying to figure things out. And it's great unknown, and that's at times the difficult part. But that's at times also, I think, the intriguing and interesting part is just the speculation that goes with this. What's going to happen? What is the future going to look like? And ESPN.com's Jeff Passan had an article talking about Major League Baseball and some of the decisions that they have to make whenever they get the all-clear, whenever the decision comes down that they're going to come back and the season is going to start, be it with fans in front of them or no fans in front of them. As you look at baseball for this year, 100 games, 120 games, 140, whatever it turns out to be, the lateness that it could be for the playoffs, just where you sit right now and to you, Again, this is all speculation, but what you believe would be the best course of action for Major League Baseball? Well, I guess until we know a start date that you could potentially have, I mean, you know, I had one friend of mine who is an infectious disease doctor say to me, hey, kid, you better be prepared that we may not have a baseball season. And he's not a worrywart. He's not an overreactor. He said, you know, you probably are going to need at least a month 
from the date, if they came out today and said, hey, the virus is cleared and we're ready to go, he said, you still need a month to get guys back up to speed because, you know, these are finely tuned athletes and you're not just going to throw a guy and go, hey, start pitching. It's just not the way that it works. So, you know, we're already here, what, at the end of the week, we're going to be heading towards April, the 27th on Friday. So we can't start if they announced it today, which they're not going to, obviously. So now we're already to May. And if this goes on two, three more weeks like it is, where you don't have guys, you know, competing and sliding into each other and basketball players guarding each other and hockey players checking each other. I mean, I'll be shocked if we play Major League Baseball before late June. Shocked. So there's no way you're getting 162 games in. Now, could you go to seven-inning doubleheaders? I heard that from Buddy Black. Hmm. And Passon's article said that multiple players have said they're willing to play two doubleheaders a week. That's fine, but you better have a way of manipulating rosters and call-ups because you're just going to run out of bodies. Yeah, no doubt about it, Cap. David Kaplan joining us, Centurion Stone of Iowa, makes it possible. Cap, I I, I think the um, July 4th weekend makes sense, especially if it is late June. I mean, uh, the country's uh, such a celebration on July 4th. July 3rd is a Friday. You know, obviously you bagged the All-Star game. Uh, have you seen Scott Boris's uh, quotes today in the Los Angeles Times that he thinks that it's possible to play a World Series game as late as Christmas Day? I think that's a little over the top. Cap, I get what Scott Boris is trying to do, etc. But that's too long, don't you think? Uh, it depends, Kenny. It really depends. I mean, what if we don't start Major League Baseball till August twelfth? I'm just taking a random date. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we going to play? Thirty games and say, "All right, let's crank it up. Let's go." <laughs> um, I mean, I've heard that some people want to do an NCAA style tournament where. All 30 teams are in. And so let's call the Yankees the one seed, the Pirates the 30th seed, if that's how it played Mm. out. They would play a quick three games in three days series, and all three games would be in New York because they're the one seed. Can't play a one-game deal because what if the Pirates had one amazing pitcher? What if it's Jamison Tyone or Chris Archer and they're having this incredible run and they go in and shut out the Yankees and the one seeds out. Yeah, I mean, baseball, more than any other sport, you can be an awful team and get a, you know, a fantastic pitching performance, and bingo, it's over. So that has been discussed, I know, at some level. I don't know if there's any leg to it that it would happen. But, I mean, look, we're in uncharted waters, unprecedented times, and I hope to God we never see it again. But if that's the case, at Christmas Day, we're playing Game 7 of the World Series, and they're doing it at a neutral field, and there's going to be 50,000 people in some beautiful, warm, sunny day. Count me in. Yeah, I'll be watching. If that's the way it plays out, I think all of us certainly would be watching. We're talking with David Kaplan here, NBC Sports Chicago and ESPN 1000. Cappy, the other side of it, you mentioned basketball, guys banging into each other. Same thing with hockey. It is different. They have played a majority of their season, yet you still have the playoffs in front. Have you heard anything, either NBA or NHL? It's, just, again, contingency plans, what's going to happen. But would you be surprised at this point 
if we get a couple weeks deeper into this and one of those two leagues or maybe both of those leagues decide, you know what, we're just going to shut it down for this year. Yeah, that would shock me. There's too much more. We're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking about billions of dollars you total up all the professional sports that have been missed. There's Until they're forced to do that, plus it would also you know, really be a gut punch to the country uh, because so many people are so into sports that you would be taking away hope. I, I'd be shocked if that happens. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see, Cap. It's just going to be different, right? I mean, if they do play as late as they are, the NHL award in their Stanley Cup in September, then they're going to try a quick turnaround, just like the, you know, the Boris scenario, World Series on Christmas Day, or do we start up spring training in February, a month later? Uh, it's, it's different times and different times call for drastic measures and sports certainly is, uh, is going to be part of that. We will see where that ends up, Cappy. Uh, David Kaplan is our guest in Cheering Stone of Iowa. Cap, uh, t- tell me about what's going on in Chicago. I know that, uh, the governor has, uh, taken the, uh, aggressive steps to, for the most part to shelter in place. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, what's it like downtown? I mean, Rush Street. Give us kind of the, the 411 and what's going on in the Windy City. Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I came downtown today. I got down here early, and I ended up, you know what? I still feel like going in the office right this second. I am going to drive down Michigan Avenue because I had heard on the news that there were, like, the Gucci store and the Louis Vuitton store that they had actually boarded up, the Disney store, boarded up the front to prevent anything. If, God forbid, we had any looting, if things got, you know, longer and more dire. And there were three or four. It wasn't as dramatic as the news made it sound, shockingly, what the media does. (laughs) Uh, We're all part of it. But it's just weird because I normally have to be in my – I try to work out downtown – with a guy every day at 5.45 or so, 5.30, 5.45. And that means I leave my house 5, 5, 5.10, 5.15. Well, now the gym's closed, so I can't go there. And so I work out at home, and then i got to be in the car normally if I'm leaving without going to work out. i got to be on the highway before 6, it's 10 to 6. Otherwise, it goes from a 35-minute drive to an hour drive. Well, yesterday... I got up, I worked out, I got in the car, I drive by the grocery store, and there's like one car in there, and I know they're open. I'm like, I'm going to go in and see if I can get paper towel. You can only buy one package. I mean, it's just bizarre. Everything's being rationed. I bought some chicken they had gotten in. So I got a few things, put it in the car, got back in, and 20 minutes I was downtown, I saw maybe 15 cars on the Kennedy. That was it. Jeez. Crazy. So it's just bizarre. That it is. Hey, one final thing for me, Cap. I'll let Ken finish up with you here. And uh, it deals with the Chicago Bears. I saw an article today from Adam Schefter at ESPN talking about the NFL wants the April draft, obviously, to continue. They have been all systems go there. But there's some GMs that, that want to push it back because you look at the teams in New York and New Jersey, and, of course, they're not able to get into their building right now. The teams in California not able to get into their building, and because of that, feeling like they're going to be at a competitive disadvantage come the NFL draft here in about a month. Kappa, do you know the Bears, are are they having scouts inside the building, or is it shut down also for Chicago? From what we were told, and I can't speak for Ryan Pace, I have not 
reached out and tried to bother him, even though we have a friendship. Uh, Matt Nagy and his staff have been working from home. So I'm assuming it's the same deal for Ryan and that they got the IT department to set everything up. That's the last thing I know that they all the coaching staff was working on either Zoom or Microsoft Teams. A lot of people using Zoom. Um, that's what we're doing my TV show from. Uh, we do it from my house. All, uh, four different guys, me and three panelists, and we're on a Zoom app through my hmm, computer, nice. and we set up a little studio, and I was able to buy a studio-quality light for 35 bucks on Amazon. I ordered it, and I go, well, that's not going to be here for a month. It came yesterday, two days, and I had it, and it's amazing how desperate co- times call for desperate measures, and we did this amazing 30-minute show where we're debating sports, and it felt normal and great and heard from advertisers that were on the show and heard from people that watch like dude that was so great to have that back (laughs) so i think we're going to take it from youtube the my teams app and everything else and try and move it and air that not only there but on linear television hopefully hopefully starting on monday Hmm. Cap, last thing. That's good news. Uh, normalcy is good. Uh, it's been a week or so since Nick Foles, uh, the trade was made official that he's going to be a Chicago Bear. Kind of, um, you know, well, how was that met amongst Bears fans? And do you think that the Bears moved too soon? I mean, Cam Newton's going to be out there. I know he hasn't been the same since his MVP season in 2015, but uh, the Foles reaction and then should they have waited, Cap, from your perspective? Yeah, I say they should not have waited because you needed a guy who knows your system because you're not getting them in your building. So are you convinced he's healthy? I know he had a physical, and uh, he's raring to go, as Schefter reported. And that's all well and fine. But let me ask you something. Why did Ron Rivera go trade for Kyle Allen if Cam Newton, his guy, is out there for free? Why did he go that's give a, up a yeah. fifth-round pick when he could have just said, hey, Cam, how much? Let's work this out. Good point. Good point, Cappy. It really is. Cappy, stay safe out there. Great catching up, and we'll do it again next week. I look forward to it. The good Lord willing, we're here each and every Wednesday and anytime you guys need it. Thank you, David Kaplan, joining us. Thank you, Capper. As he always does on a Wednesday, it's Miller & Condon, 1460 KXNO, our conversations with Cappy, presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa, manufactured stone veneer inside, outside of your home. They do great work. Can you have it? All over your place up there in Ankeny, and you're seeing um, even more of your Centurion Stone Day after day. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am, Trent, sadly. Uh, you know, it was so good to get in yesterday, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow just to get out and just, uh, you know, to get back to, you know, routine. Routine is good. I miss routine in some respects. Uh, certainly have it in lots of others. But, yeah, no, um, I, both our fireplaces, the the exterior of all the condos on uh, Otter, at Otter Creek, it's all Centurion Stone, and there's a whole bunch of it around central Iowa, Centurion Stone of Iowa uh, dot com. Good conversation with Cappy Trent. The um, would you know from your perspective uh, as as a Bears fan, mm-hmm. Cam Newton's out there. He's available. I think he's going to be a Charger. I think that makes sense. Yes. They don't have a quarterback. I'm you know Tyrod Taylor, please. Um, but uh, Nick Foles or Cam Newton, who would you rather have? Jameis Winston. It's still Jameis Winston <laughs> for me. I, yeah. I and I was listening to Kevin Clark of the Ringer yesterday. He was uh, talking about. Jameis Winston, it's looking like more and more a reality that he's going to have to be a backup. 
this season in the NFL. He threw for 5,100 yards last year, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Yes, that's also a part of it. But to think of a guy that put up those kind of numbers, and he's going to be a backup. The following year, we're not talking about three, four, or five years down the line, or an injury happened, and he has to become a backup because of that. This guy put up those kind of numbers, and he's going to be a backup. I just... I don't get it. And the comparison to me between Nick Foles and Jameis Winston, I think that gap, that chasm, is absolutely huge between those two. I don't know. I don't know if there's a way. And if he's signing a one-year kind of show-me deal for 4 $5 million, go out and get him too. What's it hurt to have three quarterbacks in there competing for the job? Yeah, it's a good point, Trent. It's a good point. And I'm with you on Winston. I think Winston's going to prove some people wrong. You know, you keep going back to the fact that he had that LASIK surgery and uh, this is uh, it's going to make a significant difference, which I assume that it will. Uh, but he, there's so many tools there, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. The, the, wood, the one caveat, he's got a really good core receivers or had a really good core Great receivers point. last year. And the offensive line wasn't horrible. I think they were, you know, poor football focus had them in the top 12 in, in, in football. So, um, you know, he's going to land somewhere. I, I still keep waiting. What, what's Belichick's move? It can't be Brian Hoyer. I mean, come on. Um, and, and um, what's the kid's name for us? Stidham. Stidham that, that's yeah. not the answer. That's not the answer. I'm sorry. Uh, Belichick's sitting on something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he thinks he's going to get one of these rookies. And even if he does, you know, are they going to move up? And I don't think they're going to be able to move up and get a Tua. But certainly hope that that's not the case. Boy, that would be, um, that would be just like the Patriots to pull that off, though, wouldn't it be? Um, Jordan Love from Utah State's a name that's out there. You know, Herbert's going to go early. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but I still think that the Patriots are sitting on something and maybe they're sitting on Jameis Winston. Somebody will give this guy a contract, Trent. Uh, let's see here. Tom Brady, I want to play this game with you. Tom Brady last year threw 24 touchdown passes in New England. Over, under, 24 touchdowns for Brady in Tampa this year. Over. Eight interceptions a year ago. Over, under, that number. Oh, it's <clears throat> a good number. Uh, over. Over interceptions, all right. Threw for uh, 4,057 yards a year ago. It was his lowest in three seasons. Over under, let's just put it at a flat 4,000 passing yards for Brady. He's going over. Arians likes to throw the ball down the field, and Brady likes to throw the ball down the field. He's got some guys that can go get it. When he throws it down the field, over. I think that this uh, Brady marriage is going to work out well. They still have work to do in that offensive line for Tampa, but you mentioned it. With what they have with the wide receiver crew, what they have with Brate and then a couple of tight ends in that room, they're going to be fine offensively. They got to find a running back. They got to find another offensive line. Sure, Tampa. All right, let's play this over under nine and a half wins for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's you know, uh, boy, oh boy, that's that's uh, the, the division that they're in for crying out loud. Look at the quarterbacks that they're going to have to face. Um, you know, Drew Brees, he's such a, and this New Orleans Saints team, there. I think they are loaded, loaded, loaded. Under. Under nine and a half. And I think that's the number that has been out there the most is nine and a half. It was eight and a half, nine before the Brady news, and it certainly bumped up there. And the schedule for them in 2020 appears to be a little bit more difficult also for Tampa. And I think that's something that you have to throw in there. You have Carolina. They got their quarterback now. Of course, New Orleans has their quarterback. What kind of rebuild is going to be happening? Atlanta finally bounced back at the end of the season. Going to be a fun one. The NFC South, actually a, a conference, a division, excuse me, to talk about for once and one to be excited about. 
Yeah, really. You know, that probably the two South divisions in the NFL, the two that uh-huh. at least from, you know, from my living room, the ones right, yep. that get overlooked the most, right? Who who pays attention to the AFC South? Uh, Colts Seriously. fans. Colts fans. Yeah, uh, I guess. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the Houston, national Jacksonville. Sto- right. The, yeah. Tennessee? I mean, come on. It's not the, um, not the nationally known divisions, that is for sure. No, not the sexiest division by a long shot. But boy, oh boy, what will we give for some news on any of those AFC South teams yes. or anything? I was thinking the other I was thinking uh, yesterday, what would I give to watch an interleague game between the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays? <laughs> <laughs> Just anything. Any sense of normalcy. We'll see. Uh, we'll We'll keep trudging along here, and, you know, it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. It's not like sports are going away forever in the interim. Is it tough? Is it frustrating? Yeah, it's all those things. But we're going to get through this, and we'll get through it again tomorrow. And excited to have a bunch more restaurants on our program. People missed it yesterday, Ken. Restaurant Radio Tuesdays and Thursdays here on Miller & Condon. It was a lot of fun yesterday, and I know you got a slew of people lined up for tomorrow. It's unbelievable, Trent, the response that we got. It came home to my email inbox. And if you haven't jumped aboard yet, Ken Miller Show at gmail.com or Trent, your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you can reach us a number of ways. But yeah, we're already into next week. We're filled tomorrow. Uh, the response is great. We're happy to do it. Uh, we do rapid fire fashion for about, oh, 50 minutes to an hour, one restaurant after another. Uh, give you two or three minutes to tell us how you're trying to, you know, get through these difficult times with your carry out business or your delivery business and some of the specials that you're doing, the hours. Uh, there's no charge for this. We would love to have you on, love to make you a part of it. Uh, Ken Miller Show at gmail.com. We do it twice weekly, although I have a sneaking suspicion and I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to have this suspicion that we'll probably be adding at least another segment at some point during the week because every time we do a trend it's just going to grow it's just right. it's just crazy um you know how many people reached out yesterday and so grateful that we're doing it and we're not uh, we're, we're happy to do it right? right we're happy to do this let's let's make everybody get through this and help as many central Iowans as we possibly can and it's not just Des Moines folks if you're in you know Warren County or Story County or Dallas County or wherever you're at um you know, our signal now on 106.3 reaches a lot of, uh, a lot of areas that, uh, we didn't when we were just on 1460. So come on aboard, Ken Miller Show at gmail.com. We'll give you a couple of three, four minutes to talk about what you're doing. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, but we're full tomorrow. We're booking next week already. It is going to be fun, no doubt. That starts at 1030 Tuesdays and Thursdays for the time being here on KXNO. We're due for a break, an hour in the book, still one more to go. Coming up in hour number two, we got a lot coming your way in the world of sports. Talking with Adam Emenecker as we look back at the 2007-2008 Drake basketball team. The story of college basketball, not just on a local scale, but a national scale that season. That's coming your way to kick off hour number two. Also, in the second hour, we'll be talking with ESPN Zuba Mahente. All coming up next here, it's Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO.